innovation, integrity, teamwork, commitment, compassion, and respect. These are the values of Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center. Here's another episode in our podcast series, Cancer Talk with Bill Klaproth. Esophageal cancer is rare and complex, and many people experience no symptoms before diagnosis and may remain symptom-free for years. So what do you need to know? Here to talk with us about esophageal cancer awareness is Dr. Christos Funzilis, Assistant Professor of Oncology at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center. Dr. Funzilis, thank you for your time today. So generally speaking, who is at risk for esophageal cancer? So esophageal cancer, as you said, is a very complex disease. Um, There are many different diseases in one organ. And um, generally speaking, we have two main diseases. One that uh, is called the adenocarcinoma and one that's called the squamous uh, carcinoma. Uh, Adenocarcinoma is the most uh, frequent type in the United States, and it's very closely related to our lifestyles. Uh, we're getting more inactive, uh, we're gaining weight, uh, we're not eating that well, and we develop a very common disease that's called uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease, uh, heartburn, the very, that more or less everybody has. So uh, um, a percentage of, a very small percentage of patients with reflux disease uh, can develop uh, a condition that's called Barrett's esophagus. Uh, this is uh, a condition that is uh, pre-malignant, Um, and uh, uh, we have screening programs in patients who uh, suffer from heartburn for many years and they fulfill certain um, criteria like being men um, above the age of 50. Um, So we can identify this pre-malignant condition and um, uh, uh, watch them with endoscopies uh, every six months or every year, and when they start developing any changes that, put them in a really high risk of developing adenocarcinoma, then we can very easily intervene with um, procedures like uh, endoscopic resections and um, radiofrequency ablations, very minimal, uh, minimal invasive procedures to try to um, treat those pre-malignant conditions and, and uh, help prevent, really, uh, adenocarcinoma. Uh, further, with those screening programs, uh, if adenocarcinoma does develop, we can uh, identify it in a very early stage and uh, treated with multimodality therapies that can cure more than half of the patients. Dr. Fonsilis, can we talk about those lifestyle factors just a little bit more? Mm-hmm. When you were talking about those, if someone were to eliminate those bad choices, does the risk of esophageal cancer then go down? Yes, uh, because the risk of um, uh, severe Barrett's esophagus go down. So really, if we try to live a more healthier lifestyle, uh, exercise more, uh, avoid uh, high-fat diet, um, try to control our blood sugars, um, uh, our risk can go down. Um, and we have uh, evidence uh, here from, from Roswell Park, from, from our labs, that in general, um, high glucose can be um, uh, something that can drive uh, esophageal cancer. Uh, esophageal cancer cells can grow uh, in the presence of glucose uh, despite the presence of any other growth factors. So really, uh, trying to um, uh, modify our lifestyles, it is important to try to prevent that disease. Uh, Of course, reflux disease is a very, very common disease, uh, and everybody has experienced reflux symptoms. So um, 
um, discussing, you know, everybody should discuss with the primary care doctors about the severity of the reflux symptoms. And if they're in a certain high-risk categories, then they should, you know, get self-enrolled in screening programs for, for virus esophagus and uh, esophageal cancer. So, Dr. Fuentes, you mentioned reflux disorder. That's something we need to be aware of. Now, esophageal cancer doesn't normally present with symptoms, but it can. And when it does, what are symptoms that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, yes, the number one symptom is uh, problem swallowing. Um, and this can be, um, um, this can lead to weight loss. Um, sometimes patients may start vomiting blood uh, or see blood in the stool in the form of black stool. Uh, also, patients may start having symptoms that are compatible with uh, uh, esophagus cancer spreading to other organs, such as having pain in uh, their abdomen from uh, cancer spread in the liver or start coughing from uh, cancer spread in the lungs. Uh, uh, really, when someone starts having problems uh, swallowing, this uh, tells us that uh, the disease is not a very early disease, uh, but it started affecting um, deeper into the esophagus wall and maybe uh, lymph nodes in the area. That's why uh, it is imperative that we do a very accurate uh, staging, as we say, more or less, trying to see with special scans and endoscopies what the, the, what the spread of the cancer is before we recommend um, an ideal treatment strategy. And speaking of those treatment strategies, you were mentioning therapies before. Can you tell us a little bit more about any promising new therapies for treatment? Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, for localized esophagus cancer, uh, the state-of-the-art treatment is... Um, a combination of chemotherapy and radiation before surgical resection. Uh, that's the main way uh, uh, approximately uh, two-thirds to 75% of patients with locally advanced esophagus cancer are treated. Of course, for earlier disease, um, uh, simple uh, esophagectomy, meaning without any chemotherapy and radiation, may, be, may suffice. And of course, in the very early diseases we discussed previously, endoscopic resections and local approaches um, uh, are the first uh, thing we think about. Uh, in the more advanced setting, unfortunately right now we do not have any curative treatments, uh, but uh, there are some exciting research going on uh, trying to incorporate immunotherapy. Uh, we, we believe that esophagus cancer is one of those immune heart tumors and uh, we have some very exciting initial data from um, uh, clinical trials that show that if you combine uh, chemotherapy and radiation, you can improve patient outcomes. Uh, so as Roswell Park, we participate in a multinational really study that is um, trying to um, see what exactly is the role of um, chemotherapy in combination with immunotherapy for patients who have advanced uh, esophagus cancer. Uh, further, we're looking into incorporating uh, immunotherapy in every uh, stage of the disease. There are ongoing trials now that are looking on uh, using immunotherapy uh, as treatment after surgical resection. Uh, so many times patients get their chemotherapy radiation and then uh, they go on to have surgery and then the question is, what do we do next? How can, we, how can, I, how, how can I decrease my chances of having my cancer coming back even more. Uh, and there are studies now that are trying to see whether, you know, using immunotherapy after surgery can um, help people 
uh, be cured from their cancer. Yeah, this is the most exciting, really, development in, in esophagus cancer over the past few years. And we're also looking into um, novel drugs, novel biologic agents that we can incorporate with chemotherapy. And shortly, we're going to have those options at Roswell Park as well. And Dr. Fonsilis, lastly, can you talk about the organoid spheroid approach allowing for testing of new esophageal cancer drugs? That's a very exciting uh, approach. Uh, the traditional way we're looking into drug development in cancer is first looking at what drugs can do in uh, cell cultures, individual cells, and then trying to see what drugs are doing in tumors that are implanted into mice uh, or other uh, rodents. And all of those uh, systems have their internal limitations. It's a different thing to test a drug in um, a Petri dish, a different thing to uh, to, to test it in a mouse, and uh, this cannot fully recapitulate what the human biology is. So here at Roswell, we are uh, developing um, the organoids, more or less um, uh, little organs, uh, uh, and uh, we're trying to develop more or less uh, mini esophagus cancers in the lab, mini human esophagus cancers in the lab. And we hope that with this approach, we can uh, test new drugs, uh, and try to get a signal very quickly on whether a drug is uh, active against esophagus cancer or not. And this will uh, expedite uh, uh, the, uh, the, the moving these, these drugs into clinic and making them available for patients. So it's, it's a very quick way to eliminate a bad drug and uh, help a good drug make it to the clinic and be available for patients. Dr. Fonsilis, thank you so much for your time today talking about esophageal cancer. For more information, visit roswellpark.org. That's roswellpark.org. You're listening to Cancer Talk with Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.